Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Small. And as always, we're going to be talking about the things that other people do not want to talk about. We're going to talk about porn. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about marriage, personal responsibility, parenting, and everything else that has a taboo nature to it. Or the rest of the world has severely distorted trying to make us think mediocrity is great. This is about strength and actualizing the best self. And today, I'm joined by Tim Regal. Tim is an addiction expert or a anti-porn coach. I'm not exactly sure what his title is, but God damn it, does the man bring enough information to help you break the habit of your addiction to the pixels. This will help you with your sex life, better understanding your sexuality, and at the very, very, very least, get you questioning your relationship with pornography. Now, we have our smartphones on us pretty much 24-7, and that means we have access to porn pretty much 24-7. There's no excuse for us to allow that mediocre habits and that that little development to allow us to become obsessed with the electronic world of women as opposed to developing healthy relationships here in the real realm. Now, how does that play in today's sponsor? Well, today's sponsor is PeacefulFathers.com, run by Anthony Migliorino, found on all social media at Peaceful Fathers. You want to go and follow him right now. That way you can improve your timeline. But Anthony's talking about ways to connect with your children. And whether you want to admit it or not, if you're whether you want to have that conversation with yourself or just prepare yourself now, your children are going to grow up and they're going to start dating and sex will eventually enter their life. What a shame it would be for you to avoid the conversation because it makes you uncomfortable and not allowing them to be prepared for what's coming their way. Porn is addicting. It is getting children younger and younger. Kids at 9, 10 years old are finding porn on the screens because they're playing on their tablets, they're playing on their phones, and a few clicks away, now they're looking at two people having sex, and they're wondering, what the hell is this? You can get ahead of that. You can be prepared for that. And not by shunning them from the conversation on sex, but rather openly discussing it and having their minds prepared for what it is they're dealing with. Now, what Tim and I dive into in this episode are literal action items you can take to improve your odds of breaking free from this destructive habit. So dive into the episode, listen, apply the advice given, and similar to what I'm saying with Anthony's approach to parenting with your children, once you're able to break free, don't hide this dirty little secret of yours. Go ahead, make it something you can talk to your children about. Find a way to speak with others who might be suffering, and you can help show them a light at the end of the tunnel. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Tim Regal on actions you can take to break free from porn. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast. A place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here is your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Today, I have a repeat guest, yet we're talking a different topic, and that is Tim Regal. Tim has come on. He's helped men with porn addiction. And in our previous podcast, this is sort of like a part two. In the first one, we broke down the theory. We broke down the big ideas behind it, some of the signs, the symptoms, the causes at the societal level. Today, we're going to break down combating porn addiction, combating porn use, and the literal actions men can take. So this is going to be one of those episodes where it's truly a spoon feeding like, hey, try this hey, try this if that doesn't work and go forward. And there's no better person to talk to than the expert who has helped thousands of men do exactly that. So Tim, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be back. This is awesome. 
it's Part a great two. way you start, start friday morning talking about porn Hell <laughs> let's <yeah>. go <laughs> you know people don't know they don't get it when i explain what i do and i'm like yeah like i start my day out doing like some crazy shit you know <laughs> talking about some crazy things and nothing's off limits and to include porn which again in the last episode we addressed how taboo right. of a subject that is but for anybody that didn't listen to that episode could you break down who it is you are where you're coming from and what your story is briefly Sure. Sure. So my my story briefly is just to recap. I overcame 15 years of extreme porn and sex addiction. Um, what started as just a normal teenage kid looking at porn um, escalated into a full blown porn and sex addiction to where I was watching porn, masturbating almost every day. I was doing hookups and sex clubs and Craigslist, Tinder, escorts, every, everything under the sun. Um, it almost destroyed my marriage. In fact, my wife and I did separate for a year, but uh, praise the Lord, we were able to get back together. Um, continued on and off for, for 15 years where I would try to quit and would have go a while without it, but would always go back. Um, then finally, after after 15 years, I had kind of I got exposed. You know, basically all my dirty secrets came out that I tried to hide for so long. Um, and at that point, I got serious help. Uh, through coaching and mentors and, and some pastor friends, it really helped me dig deep and, and get to the root cause of the porn um, instead of just treating the symptoms. And that's some of what I want to talk about today is, is kind of what you do in order to defeat it and how I defeated it. Um, so many men just treat the symptoms and do surface level things. Uh, they just try harder or try to have more discipline or change habits, which are all good things and things you should do. But this goes so much more deeper than that. And that's what I had to do. Once I did that, I found um, found a freedom that I've been looking for all this time. Um, would you say so it was, inter- would you, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so after I started finding success for myself, then through some other things, I started helping some other young men out and then started uh, being active on Twitter and blogging right now. And it blew up. So I. Um, you know, started this coaching. I wrote my book, you know, Living Porn Free, 10 Steps to Recovery, Redemption, Renewal. And now I do one-on-one coaching to help men in their battle to defeat porn. Now, before I rudely interrupted you, <laughs> would you say that it was easier to get sober from it once you faced that initial cause? You know, we're talking about f- treating symptoms. When you went right. to the root of the cause, was it easy to get sober after that? I wouldn't say easy. It was easier, <laughs> but it, it sure as hell wasn't easy. Um, it, but it, it gave me the why I was addicted. And that's what I needed. Yep. It wasn't just, okay, you have this thing and, and treat, treat the symptoms. It's, you know, it's the whole, you know, treat the disease, not the symptom type of thing from, from medicine. And, and what I was doing was treating all the symptoms. It's tr- just trying to, to, pull up my bootstraps and try harder and just, just quit, you know, and, and with addiction, you, 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 you can't do that, you know? Um, so I had to discover the why, you know, what was not just, I'm doing this. I need to stop. Why am I doing this? What is giving me this urge to run to porn and to run to sex all the time? You know, and, and once I figured that out, which which took time, I mean, it wasn't a it, there was never a light bulb eureka moment. You know, it took introspective work, a lot of journaling, a lot of digging up some shit in my past that I didn't want to face. It took um, 
a lot of work with, with some mentors and coaches and, and counseling and stuff like that to work through some of these things, some, some of these emotional issues that I had shoved under or tried to run away from for so many years. Um, it, it, it was, like I said, it wasn't easy, but it was easier because I had a reason. I had a why. And that, then I had an enemy that I could fight against. You know, I, I think I did this whole addiction sobriety thing backwards, you know, like with me, it was booze. So it wasn't porn. It was yeah. alcohol. But I, I just like the last episode, that's how I can best relate to it. Sure. Like that was my main addiction, if you will. Sure. And for me, you know, thank God for Phil Foster and Ed Lattimore. Shout out to those dudes. Those were kind of my yeah. be- my buoys and beacons that showed me the way out of that tunnel. You know, but those guys, they, they you said you found uh, like therapists. You went, you spoke to these people and you were digging through after you found, you know, that, that, that moment of, all right, here's sort of the cause, mm-hmm. like, here's why I need to do this. And I, I did it backwards. I was working on myself. I was running 31 DTM. I was really like overhauling my inner workings as to who I am as a man, dude, I had done multiple iterations of 31 DTM. So I faced right. the demons. I faced the past. I faced the shit. I, I fucked up. I faced the things that I did really well, you know, but I still was drinking. And then I got to the moment where I was like, oh, this doesn't do anything for me. Like this just legit is making me fat and, and weak. And if I want to be better and have the best business, have the best, be the best husband, be the best father, be the best example for men, I shouldn't have alcohol. I'm just going to quit. And that's literally how it happened. I didn't mm-hmm. hit the point where I'm like, I should quit. Let me dive deep and figure out why I should quit. So it's right. funny how people come to the same conclusion, but sure. that was almost differently. Like it was almost the exact opposite side of the hill, but we got to the same top. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And And for me, I just had to break out of the the mindset, which I think is, is hard for a lot of men to do. Um, and a lot of women, especially their wives to understand is that it wasn't a sexual issue. Like it wasn't that I was just hornier than everybody else, or I had a a higher sex drive, you know, for a long time, I just thought, okay, I I just have the sexual urge and, 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 you know, nothing's going to ever satisfy it. Or if I keep doing this, eventually that'll satisfy it. If I have one more girl or try this thing one more time or do that once, okay, then I'll check that off my bucket list and I'll be happy. And I was trying to fill a hole with sex that didn't need sex to fill it. You know, I was trying to fill this emotional wound in me with sex and it, 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 that, that wasn't what I needed, you know, but that's what I kept trying to fill it. And I think that's a lot of things that are hard for men and women to understand that it isn't about sex. Like I, I said in the last thing, I said, you know, porn addiction isn't about pleasure. Porn addiction is about pain and, and breaking free from that mindset that yes, th- that sex is the, is the result. It is the product, uh, the, the way that the addiction manifests itself. It's not the drive behind the addiction. And that's especially hard for women to understand because then they think, oh, well, I'm just not attractive enough. I'm not sexy enough. My husband doesn't desire me. You know, I had a active, healthy sex life with my wife the entire time I was addicted. That was never, never a problem. Um, but I was doing all this behind her back and, and, and on the side, too. Um, so that's hard for for wives and girlfriends and, and people to really understand that it really isn't that they don't find them attractive or don't love them or anything. It really isn't a sexual issue. It's a pain issue. You know, so before we dive into the nuts and bolts of how men can, who are in this, they're going to hear you. They're going to relate. 
mm-hmm. and we're going to offer them some a pathway forward with you know an itemized list of like hey here's a series of things you could do just start trying some of them figure it out before we dive into that could you talk about your work the the courses you offer how your coaching structured and and what it is that brought you to the point of writing and creating sure so what brought me brought me into kind of the becoming a content creator um came out of just a two things. One was I had started working with some young men through my church um, and, and just realized that, you know, these teenage, early 20s boys, that the porn addiction was just rampant. So I started kind of mentoring to them and just talking to them and saying, hey, guys, I've been in this too. So some of it was I started a Bible study with them and some of it was content for that. Um, the other thing was I just felt I needed to get my story out. I think God put it on my heart to share my testimony of how I overcame this through hard work, through redemption, through fixing my marriage, but I did it through relying on God and him giving me the strength to do it. And so I think he put it on my heart to share my story. So I started the blog and started being active on Twitter and, and, um, you know, started writing about my story, my experience, giving advice, giving instruction, sharing what worked for me, what didn't work for me. Um, and through that, I just started getting dozens of messages from people DMing me on Twitter or whatever, and just being like, I'm struggling with this. What do I do? And so I started doing some coaching and it was just just one-on-one coaching through Zoom and, and started working with guys. And I realized a lot of these guys need just need some place to start. There's hundreds and hundreds of great resources out there about addiction, specifically porn addiction. Um, there's great books. There's great programs. There's great things that you can do. Um, but I found a lot of them get too heavy too quick is what I found. Yeah. They, they, a lot of them are written by psychologists by doctors, by counselors, you know, which are great and they're wonderful materials. But for a guy that can't stop masturbating four or five times a day, like you just need to stop the bleeding first. You know, you can't, you know, how much of that do you think that plays into the fact that they can relate to you as well? You know, a lot of, you see some people and they want to become the guru and there are others who kind of find themselves in the position of offering help. And it sounds like you, you were there talking and all of a sudden they found you. You were just yeah. talking and you weren't chasing anybody. They all came your way. Hey, I've got these issues. Hey, you're speaking to me. You're just like me. You're a normal dude. You're not some dude with a bunch of letters behind his name, some some PhD, right. some doctorate doing this or a therapist over there. You're a normal dude who found his way out. I'm not a PhD. I, a, a majority of men out there are not PhDs right. suffering from this. So how much do you think that played into it too? Is they saw a normal dude sharing a story. And that's like, well, if he can right. do it, I can do it. Right. I'm not coming at it from a... a scientific aspect where I'm, I'm, I'm preaching that or some sort of a psychological aspect. I do teach from a Christian aspect because I believe that that was essential to me, but I don't believe that you have to be a Christian in order to defeat porn addiction. Yeah. And I'm just a, I'm just a dude who went through it. You know, I, I, I have no zero education in this. I, I, I'm a funeral director. I bury people for a living, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah, it just came from a people related to that, I think, and saw that, hey, here's just a dude who went through this darkness and came out on the other side and was able to put his life back together. 
you know, so what I created then with, with my book, with living porn free and what I try to do with the coaching is just walk guys through this. Like, let's just get started. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to solve all our problems in one week. And we don't have to go into this whole, to shrink your mind, do the whole shrink thing or anything either. Let's just get started. And so that's where I created living porn free was to be, I call it a how to, how to quit porn. So this is where you start words there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is where you start, you know, we'll get in, you you know, a lot of those, those psychological books and stuff, those are great. You need to do those. They were very helpful to me. Um, There's one in particular that I'll mention a very good friend of mine, Eddie Caparucci wrote a book um, about inner child um, discovering your inner child. And it's a, a, a excellent book on that. I forgot the title once I feel bad going deeper. Um, which is a very good one. And that's a great follow-up to, to my book. Um, but I wanted something that was more um, entry level. And so that's where I created Living Porn Free as just simple 10 steps that you go through to, to fight this battle. It's not the end-all, cure-all. You're not going to read through this book and, and have your porn addiction solved in three days when you're finished reading it. That's not the point. It's a guidebook to help you get started, to help you figure out, hey, what's happening? What's going on here? What, you know, why am I doing this? And, and, and start digging deep and start doing that work to figure out what the why of the porn addiction is. And once you figure it out, here are some practical things to put in place. Now, does that bleed into or, or does that depend on the man? Does the program change per man or is it a universal application? Hey, this is how all men do it, but you're going to do it your way. Right, right. It, it, it's pretty much a universal application, but it, it, it can be tweaked for, for different men. Um, you know, some, the steps don't necessarily, besides one or two, don't have to be in a particular order. You, know, you can kind of bounce around with them a little bit. Um, the, the first step of that i talk about and we could actually just roll that into the topic you know like right now like all right the average dude yeah he's like all right you guys are talking about you know some nuts and bolts here yeah some action items let's just roll there if if you were talking to the average dude, what are some some no shit here is no theory all application you can do to get yourself started in this process right the the very first thing i tell every guys to do and, and it, it's very 12 step and it's very, and it sounds cliche, but it's just like, you got to admit that this is a problem in your life. And, and most guys do that when they come to me. Like if they're, if you're DMing me that I'm struggling with porn, how do I quit? You've realized this is a problem. But what I also do is I require all the men to do a full disclosure. So they are going to, I actually have a, an exercise, a written exercise in the book. The book is, is reading book. It's also part workbook. So there's journaling exercises, there's writing exercises, there's questions to answer in there is make them do a full disclosure of what their, what they were doing with porn, what their habits were, what their tastes were, um, how much time do they think they spent on it? How much money might they have spent on it? You know, a lot of guys get in, get into um, escorts and especially only fans the last couple of years and people have spent a lot of money on it and just lay it all out in black and white. And they don't have to show it to anybody but me. 
I do think that if a man is struggling with this, they do need to disclose that to their wife, to their spouse, but that needs to be done under a very unique set of circumstances. You know, a lot of guys, they, they start working on this problem and they feel convicted and they feel like they need to confess and they should, and they just come out and just verbal vomit all over their wife. And it just wrecks her world. He feels great because he finally kept the secrets out and got it all out of his, out of the closet and out of his office chest. You know, but he just wrecked her world. That needs to be done in a healthy way. You know, my wife and I, when we did that, we met with our, our pastor and mentor friend. We drove in separate cars. <laughs> we met him there. We talked about it. We drove home in separate cars. Like it was just, it was done in a safe and, and productive way and didn't turn into just this fight or battle or anything. So I make all the men do a full disclosure, lay it all out. And what that does is two things. It helps me understand what we're dealing with. You know, so I come with some guys who are watching porn and masturbating four or five times a day. Can't stop. I have other guys who are only watching porn and masturbating maybe once a month, but they still want to stop. You know, there's other guys who aren't even looking at porn anymore. They're meeting up with escorts once or twice a week and spending a couple hundred bucks a pop. So people are at different levels, but it helps me understand um, what they're going through and what they're dealing with. And for them, it just lays it all out. It's like, it, it, it's mind blowing to them. Once you see that all in black and white and laid out on paper, it, it's, it, it blows their mind sometimes. This is what I was doing. This is how long I've been doing. This is how much time I wasted, how much energy I wasted. So and that just should admit that to themselves. You yes. know, let's say they're listening to this and they, they're not, well, I don't want to reach out to you and I don't want to tell my wife. So this conversation, is this happening in their head? Are they facing themselves? Are they writing this down? You know, when, when yeah. we talk like the literal action to take, where do you see that playing out on literal pen and paper? Yes. That's why I actually have it um, in the book. It's, it's an actual, um, you know, actual lined papers in here where it's like you, I, and I think there is something to writing it out by hand. You know, I mean, you talk about that even with journaling, that there's um, there, there's something to writing it out in your own hand versus typing it on a computer or a phone. And I think just just having that on paper in front of you is some of that is healing just in itself, just kind of getting it out. Um, and then once you see that, it, it's very it's in your face a little bit. It, it's it's stark. And a lot of guys are like, whoa, I didn't realize how bad this was. Nope. You know, it's interesting too, with the different addictions, you know, I, I had that moment by myself, literally it was, it was all playing through my head. I was sitting across mm -hmm. my wife on the couch and I was just staring at the glass of wine I had. And I had this whole thing where I'm like pros versus cons. What is it doing for me? Where have I been? What have I, what has alcohol done to me? You know, mm -hmm. I went through this whole thing over my life. So there was no pen and paper, you know, but I went through a similar, like, this is a problem. <laughs> yeah. This has got to stop. Now, here's something that's different for me than I think a lot of these men, and that's because it's alcohol and because that's such a widespread thing, mm -hmm. I was able to talk publicly about it. Right. I was able to come out and I was able to say, hey, guys, I'm dropping booze. And I've been very vocal with the point of, look, I'm sharing my story, but the hope is obviously if anybody else is stuck, come on board. I'll share everything that helped me get here because yeah. I want to help people. You know, right. I, I don't see that playing out with porn. I know you did it. I think you're the exception. I don't think you're the norm there. And I think these men, all right, they write it on paper. Who are they going to talk to about this? 
I, I couldn't, I could never see myself going to a friend of mine and be like, Hey dude, I'm addicted to porn. If, if I didn't have this online uh, world that we're in where this is, it's almost fucking normal to talk about these crazy, like the things you're going yeah. through, you know, it's in our world. Yeah, that's normal. But the normal dude listening who, who's like, when right. I say normal, I mean, not internet focused in any sort of men's development arena. You know, yeah. it's, it's, there is a taboo to it. It's not the Absolutely. same as alcohol. It's not the same as drugs. It's a totally different no. thing. No. And in a way I didn't either. I mean, when I was going through my recovery, nobody knew about it either, except my, my immediate family and the people that I was working with. I didn't really come out, expose myself really until, in, in, until I started doing the content creation. You know, the people who needed to know knew, but it wasn't public knowledge until I had come out of it. And yeah, there is a taboo level to it. Um, you know, especially within certain circles, like, like, like I'm very active in the church and in, in Christian community it's very, very taboo in that. Um, and that's one of the things I'm working towards is, is making that not taboo. We need to talk about this. Um, and yeah, you need somebody that you can open up with. And that's kind of the, one of the, the next steps after admitting that this is a problem and kind of disclosing everything it's, you need help. You're not going to do this alone. You're not going to do this alone. Um, so many men, myself included, tried to just fight this quietly, you know, and, and just, oh, maybe I'll solve this and it'll go away and no one will ever know my dirty secrets. And it doesn't work that way. No, not every man has to go shouting from the rooftops like I do, <laughs> but you need to open up to someone and be accountable to someone. Um. And that's where, where I come in as, as a coach, as someone who you can open up with, who you can be vulnerable with, who you have no reason to lie to. So much of porn addiction and sexual addiction involves lying, deceit. You know, I lied and cheated and did everything for years. You need somebody who you, you, there's, there's no consequences for being 100% honest. So that's what we need to do. I call that finding your Nathan. Um, where that comes from is in the, it comes from the Bible. So the story of David Bathsheba, everybody's familiar with. You know, David saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof. He wanted her, brought her over, had sex with her. She got pregnant, ended up killing her husband or having her husband killed so that he could take her. And there was a prophet, Nathan, in Israel at that time who called David out. And held him accountable for his actions. You know, David's ego was so big. He thought he was this great thing. And he thought, oh, I got all away with it and everything. And, and Nathan came and, and exposed him and said, hey, man, you messed up. You got to ask for forgiveness from God, from people that you've hurt, from everything, and, and, and kept him accountable. And that's what we need. We need, we need, every man needs a man another man in his life. Every man needs another man in his life who has the balls to tell him that he's full of shit from time to time. My Nathan was Phil Foster. Yeah. He's the one that got me to see the booze issue. Right. We all need that. We all need someone who's going to tell to us straight. And, you know, and, and, and that's the problem I think with, with a lot of, not necessarily in our circles. We, in some ways, like you say, with, with us and FOE and everything, we've always kind of a little bit jaded because it's normal for us to talk about these things. You know, a lot of men nowadays, if they do have the guts to come out and come to another man and be like, hey, dude, I'm, I'm struggling with this. You know, I, I don't know what to do. And the other guy will be like, yeah, man, that's tough. You know, I'm you know, I'm here. You know, that's that's tough. You know, you'll, you'll you'll get through it. You know, it's just all this 
shallow bullshit. Yep. You know, we need men who are, are are strong enough to be like, yeah, that's messed up, bro. Let's get you some help. Let's work on this together. Let's fight this battle and let's get through it. You know, most men don't want to be that to other men. And because of that, a lot of men who need to open up won't open up. So you need this one-on-one brotherhood, this one-on-one intimacy. You know, and that's something that's gotten so lost in, in, in the anti-masculine society that we live in now. You know, if, you know, you and I, as, as close as we are, people, people would be like, oh, that's a bromance. You know, or they make gay jokes to you. No, men need that brotherhood. Men need that to, to fight alongside each other. And, 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 and that's what I try to provide as a coach is be like, hey, man, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't have all these letters behind my name. I'm just a dude who's been through this. Let's do this together. I'm here for you. I'll support you. I'll show you love when you need it and support. Maybe sometimes showing love means I'm going to kick in the ass from time to time. But we're going to get through this together. And that's what... It's so needed for men who are battling porn and battling this. They need someone to come alongside us and lift them up, encourage them, and push them forward. When you go, have some success and then you screw up and relapse, which is inevitable, you need some guy to come along and be like, hey, man, you messed up. Let's figure out where things went off the rails and let's fix it so that the next time it comes, you're stronger. You know, in that, I do want to highlight the point now and sort of take a preemptive strike and say this. You know, there will be people listening to this who say, well, I don't have anybody. That is 100% false because you're listening to this podcast. There are two men right now saying, hey, our links are below this. You have a thousand ways to reach us. All you have to do is take that step. Create your anonymous account if you're you're embarrassed or whatever. You know, you there are two people, though. So I do not want to hear, well, I don't have anybody. Yes, the fuck you do. You've got a literal expert and you got a dude who will listen. Like right. pick one, talk, just speak, get it off your chest. There's, there's no right. excuse not to put us both in the same DM. We'll have the discussion. You know, yeah. uh, Tim, you mentioned FOE dude. It's, it's a running joke that inside the fraternity of excellence.com shameless plug right there, you know, because <laughs> there's so many dudes who are in there getting exactly the help they need. Right. It's the reverse of what you see on social media. Like we don't have a highlight reel like Facebook in, in FOE. It's a fucking dumpster fire. Because all the dudes are sharing all their actual life issues, right. you know, like, hey, I want to get better here. How do I do that? Here's where I'm failing. Here's where I'm failing. Right. Here's where I'm failing. Now we share our wins. It's not like a let's beat each other because we love the, the the punishment. But people can say the thing, and the expectation is that you say the thing. Hey, right. dude, if you're addicted to something, you better throw that shit in the table, or else why are you here? Right. You have nowhere in, else to go. <laughs> and and in FOE, people share their wins, and but then you can look back, you can go scroll back through the messages weeks earlier, months earlier, and see the dumpster fire. How, how they got and then to that see win. where, And then see, yeah, yeah, we, we've seen that constantly. You know, you, you see, here's the win, but if you look back, don't just look at the win, look back and see where he was, yep. and now see where he is. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, everybody needs a Nathan. You can find your Nathan anywhere. It, 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 it can be, I mean, all these guys that I coach found me through mostly through Twitter. You know, who the hell ever thought you'd find somebody like that through Twitter, you know, and but it can be um, it can be a good friend that you're close with. It can be a pastor. It can be uh, uh, a family member. 
I do caution a little bit with family members just because there's a lot of other dynamics there, you know, but if you have a brother you're close with or, or a cousin or something like that, but a lot of times family can get, cause there's so many other dynamics involved with it. Um, one thing I will say is that your Nathan, your coach, your accountability cannot be a woman and it cannot be your wife. I was just going to ask if we could go back to that because uh, she can't leave the home. If you dump that on her, she has right. like, if you dump that on her, that that's very bad. So I'm glad right. you brought that up. I want, I wanted to see if we could go a little bit deeper into why, yeah. like why yeah. you should not go and word vomit on your wife. Right. So, well, first let me go to the, it, first of all, it's kind of obvious if you, especially if you're dealing with porn and sex, your accountability partner shouldn't be a woman, <laughs> you know, uh, but just on, on another side too, it's just that it needs to be, it's a men's issue. Like you need men who can understand whose minds work like men, you know, but that, but yeah, you, you, your wife, she, she's hurt by it. And, and in this battle, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bad days and good days. And, and for her, that's just going to be an emotional roller coaster for her. You know, she should be aware of your addiction. She'd be aware of your covering. She's certainly a part of that. But you need someone who you can go to in the ins and outs and ups and downs and, and be completely open with to do that. Um, so that's why I say your wife cannot be your accountability partner. You know, that's just it's there's just too much to that for her to be that. So you need a man, a brother um, to, to be that person for you. And as far as, you know, not dumping everything on your wife. It, that has to be done in the right circumstances. I am 100% that if you have done these things, you need to confess it to your wife. You've hurt her. You've committed sins against her. And you need to confess that to her and to God and to yourself. But Is, is, that, is that the religious side of you, though? Because no. I, I disagree with that. Um, if, if she doesn't know about your addiction and you and they go to you and they're like oh, I'm going to fix it and now pouring out of their life what benefit is there outside of cleansing the soul and from that argument I guess I could understand is is there to even telling her if you fixed it and worked with somebody why would you bring it up well i think yes yeah, some of that is a is is coming from my my christian background and i guess it's different if it's something you dealt with before you were together or or thing or anything like that no, no, but I'm I saying believe, in the relationship. Right. Like, you, you, no, even if married, I think right. that if you're addicted to crack and you get off the crack and you, you're now living crack free and you're happy. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, babe, by the way, a year ago, I was addicted to crack. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't benefit you at all, except make you feel better for saying it. Right. And I understand that. And I think that's each man's individual decision. But I believe in 100 percent open and honesty in, in, in the relationship. Um, and. I think if that in that exact scenario, you can come at one point and say, hey, I dealt with this. This is what I did, how I fixed it. And this is who I am now. The problem is that scenario, honestly, is, is pretty rare. Most guys yes. get caught. I, I, yeah, I understand. <laughs> We're splitting hairs. I, I, I do understand um, that as well. <laughs> most guys get caught. Yep. You know, I got caught. You know, even before the last time when everything kind of blew up, I gotten caught dozens of times. And I bullshit my way out of it and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, said what I needed to say and did, made it look like I was doing what I needed to do to just fix things and get out of the doghouse. And then, you know, eventually went back to it. But, um, 
I think that that disclosure needs to need, needs to take place. Most wives know, even if they even if they they have an inkling something's up, you know, they just have that that female intuition or whatever it is. Even if they haven't found anything, a lot of them just just know. Um, and even I've had a lot of women message me saying saying that. Like I think you, you know I've heard women say they can tell when a man watches porn. And sometimes just by their sex lives, by how they are in bed and, 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 you know, a lot of the porn induced erectile dysfunction. Now they can tell. Um, so I think that that openness and that disclosure needs to take place. My wife knew all this stuff was going on, but she didn't know everything. Now, they don't have to know every last dirty detail that that I will say doesn't solve anything. And, and a lot of times they do. Like my wife wanted to know, okay, what day was that? What time was it? What did she look like? What, what was her hair color? You know, you know, all these sort of things. Um, and a lot of times that doesn't, there's, there's no benefit to that. Okay. This happened. I admit it was wrong. I'm doing my best to fix it. But a lot of times those nitty gritty, nitty gritty details aren't helpful. You know, in that I could just imagine, you know, the the snarky comments if a dude share or maybe, maybe this is a, a better way to say it when you're working with somebody i i would say maybe not initially once you've got a grasp on it you're like mm-hmm. all right i've i've now controlled or at least i've tamed this beast i'm heading right. in a better direction you know then sort of dive a little further right i could just imagine a dude just starting out or maybe he got caught and now every time she she goes to, hey i'm bringing the kids to practice go go ahead and enjoy your porn or Hey, I'm going to the supermarket, you know, those little remarks because she's hurt and now she wants to hurt you back and right. she's going to start. And then that's not conducive to, to building confidence needed to get through no. your recovery. I guess right. you, now you're like, I am a shit bag. I'm just a shitty man. And, and now, then that'll evolve to, well, I'll do all the things that she needs. I will supplicate myself mm-hmm. to my wife. And then now you've lost any leadership role in that because your whole focus is on atoning for the sin. So you're compromising yourself for her. And now the whole fucking marriage is fucked. Now the whole system you've lost it all. And that's, that's sort of my fear and where my brain went when you initially said that. Right. And, and recovery takes, it it, it takes both of you. It takes a husband and a wife. You know, I, I wouldn't have gotten through my recovery without my wife supporting me. And I'm very blessed. And I know not, not all husbands, you know, have, have the support of their wives when they're going through this. Um, you know, but my wife was, was very supportive and she says she's hurt very much. So very damaged. Um, but she loves me and, and we're going to get through this together. And that's, that's what it takes. And, and that's so, and I understand that's, that's, that's hard for women. Like I said earlier, it's hard for women to understand this isn't a sexual issue and it's hard for them not to want to turn around and, and punish their, um, their husband or their, their long-term boyfriend, whatever. Um, and in fact, a lot of women's counseling for wives and girlfriends that are going through this is to do just that. And that's one of the most damaging things you could do. I I worked with somebody and and they were going through it and, and their counselor said to the wife, don't have sex with him until he fixes his porn problem, which is probably one of the worst things you can do. Because a lot of, and especially with that thing, a lot of what men are missing is the intimacy. They're not looking for sex. They're looking for intimacy. And a lot of times we think we can get intimacy through sex when it's actually the opposite of around. You build that intimacy and marital, great marital sex comes naturally from that. 
you know, it comes from the ground up. So a lot of a lot of the conventional wisdom out there is for women to punish the man. And that does nothing. That just drives him further and further into it. So speaking to women out there, if you find your husband is doing this, I understand you're hurt. I understand there's going to be times where you don't want to have sex with him. And there may need to be a time where, you know, you 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 don't just to, to kind of heal those initial wounds. But if you want to fix the marriage and you want to help him recover and help him get to the place where he needs to be, you need to love and support him and not punish him. And that's where I've gotten into a lot of discussions with with people is. Is porn cheating? So do you think porn is cheating? I think I think you have to define cheating. So. And, and it's it is absolutely a betrayal of trust. You know, there there's deceit and there's lies involved. You know, very few men actively watch porn in front of their wives, you know, unless they're into some weird stuff. You know, there's always it's always hidden. So you're lying, you're hiding things from your wife and it's betrayal, trust. And yes, you're giving your sexual energy to another woman who isn't your wife. In that regard, yes, I believe it's cheating. I do not equate porn addiction with adultery. I don't believe it to be full on act of adultery. And what a lot of people come is they throw the, the scripture at me from Matthew chapter five, where Jesus says in a sermon on the Mount, if you've looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. The key word in that phrase is in your heart. So that means you're there. You're capable of committing adultery. You've, you've already gone that far. You've crossed that bridge, but yet you haven't actually committed the crime. You can have hate in your heart and be capable of murdering someone, but until you actually murder them, you haven't committed the crime. You haven't committed the act. So that's where I think the difference is there. I think porn is, is lying. It's, it's, it's kind of a cheating, but I don't equate it with the full act of adultery. If you ask a woman, most women, I think most women would not be as hurt by their man watching porn as if a man went out and slept with 20 women. So that's where the difference lies in. And the main thing I think is that I don't believe that unless the man is not trying to fix his problem with porn, I don't believe that porn addiction is grounds for divorce. And this is some of a, a, a kind of going on my, my Christian side here. The Bible specifically says that adultery is, is a legitimate reason for divorce. I don't believe porn addiction comes to that level as, as grounds for divorce. Unless the man is completely unrepentant and says, this isn't a problem. I'm not dealing with it. I'm happy doing this. I'm going to do me. And, and then I do believe it is. But if a man is realizes this is a problem, has confessed it, is trying to fix it, and is working hard, and maybe still struggling, maybe still slipping up, but is doing everything in his power to fix that. I don't believe the woman should leave him over that. I love speaking with guys like you, uh, Craig, uh, Sam Thorpe, you know, the gents who are much more well-versed when it comes to scripture, because when those things are thrown my way. I default to just like facts and logic and just my personal asshole reasoning, <laughs> right. you know, but you guys are like, no, I'll, I'll play in, in these rules and within these boundaries. And I think due to the nature of the subject being porn and sexuality, and how that ties so it's very integrated with religion and, yeah. and really harnessing and controlling sexuality 
that that's where you see a lot of the issues. So men like yourselves who are versed in that community, you're, you're, you're out, you're out in advantage. You know, you're, you're better able to speak to the audience than someone like myself who is not as well versed, you know? So I I think that's an excellent approach to it. I, I both agree and disagree with you, but I think Mm -hmm. to take it down that rabbit hole would send us more to theory as opposed to the the nuts and bolts here. But I, We'll have to have a third podcast, man. <laughs> because, <laughs> dude, like, we're just going to have to keep rolling with this because yeah. there, there's a lot to it and there's a lot yeah, of dudes struggling is. with it. You know, there but I, I do think you answered very well the reason why you should not just go and dump it on the wife, but also right. the role she plays in this. And that's something I had not thought of in that she has a duty to this as well. You know, my right. wife, she's so today I'm 360 days sober. And yeah. I know that because I'm about that's to awesome, post man. about 360. You can see all around. <laughs> so it's a, it's a cool number. But she yeah. is too. And I never yeah. asked her. She kind of just did it. It's, it is really cool. But there's something about that that support. You know, and it, again, it's easier to support a dude who gives up booze than one who's talking about addiction to porn because they right. view that as, oh, I'm not good enough. Jackie never right. thought I put booze above her. She thought I was just, yeah. I had booze, you know? Right. With, with If I was addicted to porn and like, oh, I'm addicted to this, she'd be like, well, what the, what am I not giving you? Why? Right. why? And she right. would miss the point on the pain. So yeah. could we spin back to when you said porn's not about pleasure, it's about pain for these guys who were like, well, what do you mean? You know, I just, I'm high T I've got a, a yeah. high sex drive. How could you point this out to them to prove that point in their eyes and make them open up like, Oh shit, this isn't mm-hmm. about the sex. This isn't about my, 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 my sexual or sexual drive. This is about, mm-hmm. I'm hurting from something. And this is like you said earlier, it's like trying to fill a hole with water. That water mm-hmm. keeps being absorbed. You need to fill yeah. it with dirt for it to actually fill. So how could you prove that to these gentlemen? Yeah, it's it's a lot of times you got to retrace your steps from the porn and, and discovering what your triggers are. And that's one of the steps in the book, too, is, is you got to figure out what the triggers are. A lot of guys think... Uh, one of the most common things I see guys do is is like, Oh, I was laying in bed. I was scrolling through my phone. I was watching porn. Okay. What were you doing? Trace, retrace your steps backwards from there. Oh, well, I saw some hot chick on Instagram and they think, Oh, that's what caused them to look at, to look at porn. And, and that's not, you got to keep going farther and farther back from that. Okay. Well, you know, why, why are you sitting there scrolling through? Oh, I was tired. I was, I was burned out. I, I was, it was a long day when everything. Okay. Um, keep taking that back farther. You know, why, why are you so stressed out? Oh, I'm working so hard. I'm doing this. I'm trying to, you know, you know, all this, well, why are you doing that? Because I, I need to provide for my family. Well, why do you need to provide your family? Because I'm, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be man enough if I didn't provide for your family. Well, why don't, why don't you feel man enough? Oh, because, um, you know, my, my dad didn't provide for my family and he didn't do everything and I'm trying to be better. And, ah, there it is. If you keep going far enough, farther enough back, you'll find a lot of times what those core issues are. So you'll notice a lot of times when guys look at porn, they think it's just a, a quick trigger of seeing some hot chick on Instagram or, or, or something like that. It's usually there's more involved. Guys reach out to porn when they're stressed. They reach out to porn when they feel angry, uh, anxious, depressed, you know, all, all these sort of things that they're trying to run away from. A lot of guys when they fight with their wives or they have a bad day at work or something like that. And, and those are obviously triggers, but it's usually something deeper than that. There's usually some sort of pain that might affect them 
and then that becomes a new a new trigger. So let's say there's there's a a, a guy who just never felt any sort of affirmation from his parents as a kid. You know, it was it's one of those guys where you never did anything right, and 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 they 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 never told you you loved you, and they never. Um, just you never got any good job or anything like that and just beat you up. And when you're 12, 13 years old, you do that. You you learn to, you discover porn. You'd be like, oh, I can run away to this. And this makes me feel better. This makes me feel loved. This makes me feel accepted. Makes me feel like I'm good enough. Fast forward 15, 20, 30 years. Now your wife's bitching at you for not doing uh, something or other. And then you, you, you've conditioned yourself to run away to porn and you feel that same way. So there's really no connection, right? But that common trigger makes you feel the same way. So maybe you feel dejected you feel rejected. You feel like you're not good enough from this wound that happened as a child. And then something years later in your life makes you feel the same way, even if it has nothing to do with that original thing. But you condition yourself at that young age, you get in your mind when you're exposed to porn at, at, at early teens, that you can escape to that. And that makes you, gives you those feelings that you're missing from, from your parents or from who, however that, that situation is. So now it could be your wife argues with you, it could be your boss rips you a new asshole, it could be whatever this thing is, but it makes you feel that same sense of rejection and no one loves me, no one cares about me, I'm not good enough, I'm just a piece of shit that you did back then. And so now anytime you get that sort of that that core trigger of uh, I'm being rejected, I'm not good enough, I'm not man enough is a huge one. You run to porn because you conditioned your brain to do that. You just reminded me of something I had shared a while. It was I think this was years ago. I was commuting to the nine to five and I drove by this dude in a minivan and he was watching porn while driving. Like we're on the highway, Mm -hmm. dude, and I'm cruising. I look over. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, dude, and I'm a guy who like I'll tweet while driving. I'll I'll live stream Instagram. Yeah, this dude's like literally watching television or I mean, I say television. He's like watching a video and it's porn. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought, like, how does this dude get to this point? And I wonder if a guy like that, if you're if would even click on a podcast like this, Mm -hmm. you know, are there people in positions to where they're so far into it, they're beyond salvage. No, they're, they're beyond even looking at it as an issue or I, th- it, I think there are guys that don't see it as an issue that have just kind of either they've bought the lie that modern society pushes that porn is good. Porn is healthy. It, you know, it makes your sex life better. You know, this is how you learn how to have good sex. A lot of young men, teenage boys thinks that's how you learn to have sex they've either bought into that lie or they've just accepted it that this is just, is just who I am now. Um, so some people accept it and don't seek out help. Don't think it's a problem, but I don't believe that anyone is beyond help. I don't think anybody is beyond recovery. I mean, I was about as far into it as you can get. I was going to say your you know, story is, is testimony to that. Um, you know, I didn't get into, you know, there's obviously worse things than what I did, but you know, for the most part, I did just about everything you could. And I was one of those guys who kind of just accepted it, that this was who I am, because I didn't realize, I didn't know what that core trigger that I was talking about was. I just thought, oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm high T, I have a high sex drive, I'm just, 
just hornier and, and everybody else, you know, and, and I have all the sexual energy I need to get out somehow. I just kind of accepted that deep inside. I knew it was wrong. You know, I, I, there was never a time where I really defended doing what I was doing. I knew it was wrong, but it was, I just kind of accepted it, mm-hmm. you know, until I was forcibly exposed and was forced to do that deep work. I realized, Hey, no, I'm not just hornier than everybody else. I don't just have this higher sex drive. I'm using this to treat all these other things. So for me, it was those feelings of rejection. Um, it was a feeling of not being good enough. I'm not living up to who I was supposed to be. Not living up to my last name was a big one for me. Um, you know, my parents are, are wonderful parents. I, I had a wonderful childhood. But I lived under their shadow for a long time. They were very well known in the community. And my dad was a pastor, you know, very, very um, highly admired and respected. You know, so I grew up as, as Pastor Eagle's son, not Tim. So I struggle with that. Who am I? You know, and, and, and I think I rebelled against that a little bit, trying to figure out who I was and not feeling it's like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're, you're getting tattoos and playing in metal bands and stuff like that, you know, and, 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 you know, I felt like, oh, well, I'm not, who, who the hell am I then? I'm not this, you know, who am I? And it's just these feelings of not being good enough, not, not being strong enough and, and feeling rejected. I had a, it seems so dumb that I, I even, even now I still struggle with hesitating with mentioning this. I got cheated on by one of my high school girlfriends. I still struggle with that rejection. And I think that led to a lot of my porn addiction. You know, I was 17. Who gives a shit? You know, like it, it seems so dumb and so benign, you know, like I'm sure a lot of guys it happens to them, you know, but that rejection hit me deep. And so I feel that now. So I feel like I wasn't good enough. Like I wasn't man enough. Like I wasn't, you know, attractive enough that I wasn't whatever, you know, I just, I just felt that rejection and that feeling of being, I'm just a shitty person. I'm just terrible. I suck. And so that extended into my further life to when I got rejection from anybody else. It hit me in that same spot, that same thing. I'm not good enough. I'm getting rejected. Nobody, you know, nobody thinks I'm who I should be. It could be from my wife. It could be from a lot of it was from work. I had intense stress at work where I, I was at before and that hit that same rejection spot. So I learned that I could run to porn and to sex and not get rejected. The porn never says no. You know, the porn, you're always man enough. You're always strong enough. You're all, you, you know, you have the biggest dick in town with, you know, it, it's, it, it says it comes, Oh, I'll welcome you with open arms when everybody else is rejecting you, but it's fake. It's not real. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to, to find that, that love, that acceptance, that deep connection through porn and sex when it was never going to find it. And that's why I just kept wanting more and more. It was going to be like, well, if I just do this or try that, then that would be enough. And it was never enough. But that's what I was trying to find. I wasn't trying to find sex. I was trying to find love and acceptance because I'd had this rejection and this feelings of not being good enough. And that's what I was looking to fill. You know, I'm, I'm curious as to why you minimize that cause though. Like what, why do you have a hard time with because I, then? You, oh, this, that's not big enough. Right. Dude, exactly. I hear that iteration though. So many fucking times. Well, I made a hundred dollars yeah. from online this month, you know, from, from a new hut side hustle I made. I know it's not 10 grand, but 
I'm like, dude, you made a hundred dollars. Like, good job. Congratulations. Yeah. Or somebody's like, oh, you know, I don't drink a handle every weekend, but I, I drink a six pack a week and that's bothering me, but it's not that big of it. And it, yeah. everybody's always minimizing these things. And maybe. Yeah. And that's something it's, I still struggle with. I it, it, that's interesting to me. And, and, yeah. and obviously after, you know, offline, we can, we can dive more into that, but it's, it's interesting to me how so many men do that. Their successes, they mitigate it. You know, their failures, oh, that's that's not bad enough and that's not good enough. Well, what the right. fuck, man? Like, at nowhere yeah. in your life are you allowing yourself, like, yeah, that's that's bad enough for me and that's yeah. great. It's not perfect. It's not, like, where I want to go, but it's fucking great. And it, it makes me feel good and I'm proud of that. It's like you, you don't allow yourself to feel the full shame and you don't allow yeah. yourself to feel the full pride. Full pain. And it, you're, you're, like, straddling the fence and it, yep. fuck, like it's not good or bad. And that's just purgatory of life. Like you're, you're, you're just cruising. Like, dude, life is feel great, mm-hmm. feel horrible and everything in between. Right. Right. And that's, it's, it's a, it's a constant battle. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm three, four years past this now, but I, I still struggle with those, that, that wound and those emotions, you know, I'm at a point now that I've learned I don't run to porn and sex with them, but I'm still working on that, on that, that wound, that trigger. And so, and it t- took me a long time to figure that out, that those wounds had happened. You know, it took kind of laying all this stuff out in the open. It took working with my mentor and my Nathan to get to dig into those deeper things, to figure out that was the why. I talked earlier about the why I was addicted. I found that why. It was that rejection. It was that feeling of not being good enough, of who am I? What is my identity? That's what was driving the addiction. It wasn't seeing hot girls on Instagram or, 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 or anything like that, or, or just the stress. Those were more immediate triggers, but they weren't the true trigger. So we have to figure out what those triggers are, what those immediate triggers are and what the core trigger is. So the surface level stuff then becomes removing those immediate triggers from our lives. So that involves, um, you know, getting off the phone at night, the vast majority of guys, that I work with struggle at night. They're in bed, they're laying on the couch, they're scrolling through their phone and one thing leads to another and they end up at porn. Same with me. You know, I was always down in the basement watching TV, scrolling through my phone. One thing, everybody else was in bed. You know, that's when it did. So I had to change my routine in order to take away that opportunity. So you have to figure out what these triggers are. Maybe stress is your trigger. Okay, you need to work out things in your life to reduce that stress so that it doesn't get to here. You know, you're still going to have stress, but you got to find ways to level it out so that it it stays down here and doesn't get to a dangerous point. Just keep that stress down. A lot of guys have to take drastic measures. Um, I've had guys that get rid of smartphone and go back to a dumb flip phone because they they just need to take that that. away. You know, we have we always have our phone on us. And mm-hmm. porn is always there for you. Right. They're all, they're like the constants. There, there's very few absolutes in life, but you absolutely, a majority of people absolutely have connection to the internet and porn is absolutely, there's a website somewhere that's rolling and streaming and waiting for you. Right. So when these dudes, they, they, they cross the line of your very first point. All right. I found my why, like my, my childhood sucked my relationship, you know, I, my heart was broken, whatever it was for them. They're like, all right, I got that, Tim. One thing I've learned from 31 DTM is that removing porn opens up a lot of free time and it really highlights some habits you had. So for sure. you, you're talking, you know, the late night phones, like 
these guys realize I always reach to my phone. Now I'm reaching to find porn multiple yeah. times a day. And I'm yeah. always like, well, dude, you need to find feel like for me, I have water bottle right there, coffee right here. When I'm inside, I've got a seltzer. I will never grab booze at a party because I keep my hands busy. I keep right. myself initially. That's where I was. Now, I mean, we can go wherever and I can do whatever. But th- yeah. these are little habits I instill to keep myself on the path. So what are the it, it, what are the habits you have, or, or yeah, you recommend? It, well, well, first to to go back to like that sort of thing. A lot of it for a lot of guys becomes almost ritualistic. Um, it's almost you know the um what is it Pavlov's dogs? Yeah. You know? Like it's, it's, it's late at night, your wife and kids are in bed. You're going to watch porn. Your wife ran out to the grocery store, you're home alone. You're going to watch porn. You know, it becomes very almost ritualistic. And once you break that, then you can start discovering some of those patterns, some of those behaviors. That's why I had men tell me they had withdrawals. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You get, you get like this urge that you feel like you have to let it out. And that's, that's get, getting into scientific, some of it, you know, where your, your, your brain becomes dependent on that dopamine release, but um, it becomes very ritualistic. So by disclosing everything that you were doing by analyzing some of the behaviors, by journaling your record and, and, and doing kind of that retracing your steps, when you do have a relapse, you can discover some of these patterns, some of these rituals, some of these bad habits. And then you can recreate routines to avoid them. Routine is huge. Routine is huge when battling porn addiction. So for me, like at night, like that was one of my worst times. Um, So I had to create an entire new evening routine where I just took away that opportunity. So for me, I have an evening routine where I do everything I need to do on my phone. You know, I check email, set alarms, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm off my phone for the rest of the night. It goes on the charger and it's over there. And it's, I can't, because of my line of work, I can't completely turn it off, but it's out of the way. Um, I take a shower. I spend a few minutes in meditation. I read my Bible. I read scripture and I read books and then go to sleep. And so that, you know, whatever it is, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, before I go to sleep, just keeps me from going down that path. You know what I, I imagine a lot of times as a, a road uh, driving along a road next to a cliff. So if the cliff is, is a full relapse into watching porn, masturbating, whatever it is you're doing. So then from the cliff, there's a guardrail from the guardrail. There's the shoulder with the rumble strips. And then there's the, the white line at the edge of the road. We need to be able to, recorrect when we hit that white line or those rumble strips instead of going all over the cliff. So that's what we need to do is figure out these habits, these, these, these bad rituals and behaviors and learn how to preemptively strike them before we get to that point. If you're relying on being strong enough when you're getting ready, let's, let's say you're, you're laying on a couch or scrolling through and you're, you're almost at the point of looking at porn. If you're relying on being strong enough to say no in that moment, you're too far gone. Nine times out of 10, you're going to fail. You know, you have to avoid that situation altogether. I'm sure it's similar with booze. If you're, if you're relying on saying no, when somebody tries to hand you a beer, you know, that, that for a lot of guys, that was tough, you know, so they have to remove themselves from that scenario where they even get to that point. 
And dude, we I role play. So some of the dudes that come to me for sobriety, like we'll we'll mm-hmm. role play this out because I'm like, look, you're well, Fourth of July is coming up. What is your plan for the party you're going to? Oh, I didn't think about that. You're gonna yeah. fail. If if exactly had we not exactly. had this discussion, you will 100% fail. You know, for me, like I said, there there was like damn near a military operation going into this. If <laughs> if asked, I will say no because my cooler is there, and then I'll immediately go get a seltzer. You know, I will show up to the parties with an iced coffee in my hand. I will not drink that iced coffee on the way to the party. I start drinking there. That way I'm there longer. I'm caffeinated. Right. And pe- I'm in New England. I'm from Rhode Island. So having a, a Dunkin' Donuts in your hand is that's, that's normal. <laughs> like it's like a permanently yeah. a fix there, man. Like they're on every yeah. corner. So yeah, that's like Wawa here dude. in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, like everybody has their thing. Like for us, it's coffee. So it, yeah. it was not out of the ordinary, even at yeah. night parties to show up with the coffee. You right. know, so that was that was my plan. And you tell these guys. You know, I'm like, look, you need to have something else. Show yes. up with your pack. And dude, I would go so far as to say, you know, if you wanted to like catch a buzz or you want to like do something, they make like CBD seltzers. They make mm-hmm. these uh, these very relaxing antioxidant teas. Like show up with something that'll that'll chill you out. So you kind of feel like, all right, I'm at the party. I'm getting an effect. I'm hanging out. But you're not drunk. Right. Dude, I'd rather you like super relaxed than drunk. Yeah. Because right. you're not going to go. You can drive home. You don't have to worry about like anything like that. And when you wake up the next morning, you're not going to hate yourself. Yep. If you go to that 4th yep. of July party, you get crazy, take shots, freedom, America, blah, blah. And you wake up, you're like, you know what? I fucking hate me. I yeah. fucking did it again. Another year, another 4th of July, another stupid self. You know, and I'm saying that because it's literally three days away, two days away. Yeah. And, you know, some people yeah. probably don't have a plan. So yep. I, I agree completely. And I think it's the exact same approach. Yeah. And I tell men to plan your relapse. Don't plan to relapse, plan your relapse. So what I mean by that is visualize in your mind what would happen if you were to relapse. Where are your weakest links? If something were to sneak up and bite you in the ass, where would it come from? You know, I have guys who's like, oh, my wife's going away, you know, going to visit her mother for the weekend. I'm going to be home alone all weekend. All right. You better have a damn plan or you're going to be in trouble. You know, plan out your day. Um, you know, I, I tell guys to do like a daily planner and have every minute of their day set and organized. You can have downtime. You don't have to be doing something every minute, but don't allow yourself that five minutes, 10 minutes where you're scrolling through your phone because you're just going to get into trouble. You know, keep yourself focused. Um, I have four, um, four R's that I call them as far as when you, when you're in that moment and you need to re, re, um, facing a trigger, facing something, temptation, and you need to get out of that. The mm-hmm. first R is, is remove the trigger itself or remove yourself. So maybe, you know, you're, you're tempted by watching some show on TV that has sex scenes or whatever. Turn the damn TV off. Get away from it. Get outside. Move. Get, remove yourself or remove the trigger. You know, if, if, if something's causing you, then, then get away from it. Get out from it. Um, second is to refocus. So refocus your mind. You know, a lot of times what happens is guys get going and the, and the, the fantasy starts going in the brain and those gears start turning and it's hard to do that. You got to refocus. So you put your, do something that requires your brain's attention. You know, something requires focus, attention, um, whether that's working out, whether that's working on a project, building something, do something that, that, requires attention and focus that you're not just sitting there and letting your mind go into fantasy land. Um, 
The third one is to reach out. This is where the Nathan comes in, where the accountability partner come in. My guys who I coach with one-on-one who sign up for my coaching get direct access to me. They get my personal cell phone number. You can call me. You can text me anytime. And be and I've had guys do that 11 o'clock at night. They text me, hey, man, I'm home alone. I'm struggling here. I need help. And so I'll talk to them and we'll walk through it. Okay, what's happening? What are, what are we doing? You know, what are we feeling? What, you know, what, what's going on? You know, let's, let's work through this together. And the last one is to reflect. So remove, refocus, reach out and reflect. So that's where you're get into journaling, you know, for, for the Christian man, get into prayer, get into scripture where you're focusing and reflecting on what's going on, you know, start writing down everything that's going through your mind at that moment. If you feel amped up and like you have this urge to look at porn or, or to, to go meet up with an escort or something like that, just start writing, just start verbal vomiting on a page and, and just figure, and that's where you figure out sometimes what those, that why is, what those core triggers are. You start analyzing it. I, I feel this urge. Okay. Why do I feel this urge? What, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling anger? Am I feeling depressed? You know, and that's where you can figure that, figure that out. But you have to have a have these plans. You can't just go in and expect that you're going to be strong enough to to resist that temptation because for especially in the beginning stages of it, you're not going to be. So well, you have to have a plan to 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 fight it. You know, and I would say, you know, to to continue to play onto that, you'll also become hyper aware of your actions and your tendencies. Like I right. said, I've I've not worked in the realm you've worked in, the closest I can relate it to is 31 days to masculinity. All those community campaigns, you know, there's no porn during those 31 days. So that's where I've had a lot of interactions with the guys who are like, you know, I'm going to porn or, you know, that's really calling to me. And it's, it's one of those things where when you don't have a replacement, Mm -hmm. it's like you're throwing water in the hole. You can't just white knuckle it and grit your way through. Right. So I like your R's, you know, but specifically refocusing, like, dude, I don't care if you want to start playing video games. This goes back to, to like a, a diet soda or like a CBD seltzer or whatever. I would rather that. That is a less of an evil. If you want to mm-hmm. look, I'm getting the urge. Dude, jump on and play a game of Madden. Play play a video game. Play Call of Duty. Just something that maybe gives you that stimulation. It's away well, from gives you. you that gives you, gives you the dopamine. That's what you're, you're, when you get that intense urge, it's your brain craving the dopamine. So you got to, so it's an action so, like that, that'll fill that. And then cool. I'd rather you play right. 30 video games this week than watch porn 30 times. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then it's a lesser, lesser of two evils. Yeah, yeah. Then you just ease it from there. All right. Right. Now you right. break, break the less video games. Okay, cool. You know, for the dudes, the goal is not to go from cirrhosis to type two diabetes because you replace alcohol with soda, you know, right. like don't replace one problem with another. Let's don't replace porn with video games. Right. But maybe that's your start easing off. And then yeah. that's, what's going to coast you down to, all right, now I have control. Porn's no longer an issue. It's no longer the calling. Yep. The video game's the calling. Yep. All right, that's no longer the calling. Now I'm addicted to, you know, writing on my blog. All right, now that's no longer the addiction. And now I'm balancing healthy writing with living my and life. Physical activity is one of the best things you can do. I, I, I lost 30 pounds during my recovery, you know, because I started, you know, a way to get that tension out and to get that stress and that pressure out. I started working out, you know, lifting, running, whatever. And that was just a huge way to release that tension. You need to, to keep yourself from getting to that point where, where the stress and the, the, whatever emotions you're feeling boil up so high 
that you have that incredible urge to watch porn, you keep that down lower and, 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 and keep that stress level under control. You can do that through physical activity. You can do that through all these other things that you can do that are either healthy or healthier ways to release that, that tension. You know, and so that makes me think of Anthony Migliorino. He runs peacefulfathers.com, mutual friend of ours, FOE man. Yeah. He talks about, you know, when you're dealing with your kids, you can't just hold it in, hold it and hold it and then erupt. You know, right. you've got to find a way to deal with whatever's going on. Like in the moment, deal with that with your child. And let's be real. The men listening to this and the men who are having this issue are mostly adult men. Right. There are men who are in control of themselves. It's about time they start fathering themselves. You've got to stop yeah. turning. Like daddy's not coming to save you from this. We cannot save you from this. We can help you. We're throwing a rope right now. But you have to start acting like a man and acting like an adult and taking ownership for your life. If you're not going to replace the habit, if this is too hard and it's woe is me, you're not going to change. And at that point, the men like ourselves and those who are willing to do the work will continue to go and you will be left behind. And I think that's an unfortunate reality that we we overlook a little because nobody wants to talk about the guys who aren't going to do the work and be left behind. But the reality is if you want the respect, if you want to respect yourself, you want to heal that relationship, you've got to be willing to start acting like a fucking adult and taking ownership 100% of where you're going. It's not your, your parents' fault about what they did to you as a kid that's had you spend the past 52 weekends in a row beating your dick raw. Right. That, that happened. That sucks. That's horrible. And this has become your outlet. And that is horrible. Right. But nobody would have felt bad for me if I kept drinking and I got my DUI and then I, I ended up in prison. They'd be like, hey, that's what you get for acting like an idiot. Right. Nobody would have felt bad. You know, it's so because I was able to get ahead of the curve and take care of this before it became an issue, people support it. People right. will support you in what you do. But if you find yourself like, like you, you were thrown out to the fucking wolves, man, that's horrible. You know, but they're like, all right, now you have no choice. It's sink or swim at that point. It's right. possible to prevent that from happening by addressing it now, you know, and if that's possible, save yourself that fate because that is much more difficult. You know, I, for me, I, I don't even know the type of reaction I would have gotten, but my reputation would have been fucking damaged pretty bad if I was to get a DUI or if, if I was to go crash or act like an idiot in public and, you know, right. it would make me look bad and therefore my brand looks bad and my business looks bad. And then it's just a big snowball that's preventable. I think the guys that are facing porn, find something to do with your hands, take mm -hmm. the actions, take the steps, follow the R's, find the coach. You know, we're dropping line after line after line of things you can do. But I really want to stress this point now in the, sort of the middle of it. If you're not going to do it or if it's too hard, that's fine too. But don't sit there and complain about your life becoming what it's going to become. And don't sit there and say you deserve more because you don't deserve it if you're not going to work for it. Right, right. Yeah, discovering that that why you're addicted, that, you know, you can't change that that happened to you. You know, what, whatever it might be, whether it's major sexual or physical abuse or whether it's something that's a little bit more subtle. It, it Those things happen to you. But you're not a victim. You cannot remain a victim. You have to do something about it. Like just because you had a shitty father doesn't mean that you're destined to become a shitty father yourself. It's up to you to change that, to put in the work and, 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 and do what you need to do to become the father you need to be. It's the same way with this. Once you understand it, okay, this explains why. This ex understands it, but it's not an excuse. You know, the things I went through happened to me, and I understand that's why I got so deep into the porn and sex that I did. 
but I'm still responsible for that behavior. It doesn't excuse all the bad decisions I made and all the hurt I caused my family. That's on me. And I had to own that. And that's kind of the the self-reflection and the self-ownership you have to take if you're going to overcome this. You can't just say, oh, woe is me and all this stuff. You got to you know, pick yourself up and be like, yes, these things happen. Confess that, understand that that happened, but then take ownership of it. You are the problem, but you are also the solution to the problem. I've heard a wise man say that before. <laughs> you are the problem, but you're also the solution. And if you give yourself yep. the credit to being the solution, you don't hate yourself so much for being the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Tim. So we mentioned, well, I mentioned video games. You know, as now you mentioned uh, physical exercise, what other immediate go-to items that maybe we haven't mentioned or I'm not thinking of could men use if when they get that, like, oh, I'm grabbing my phone, I'm going to do the thing. I've got to go do what what type of activities have you found to insert into that gap? Yeah, I think it's it, it's it's going to be different for, for every man. Uh, for me, I use music a lot. You know, I'm a musician. I'm, I'm worship leader at my church. I play guitar and piano and a couple other things. You know, music is very therapeutic for me. Um, so that works for me, for somebody else, it might be, you know, sports or or something like that. It's different for man. And each guy's got to kind of figure out what's your go-to, your go-to thing. Um, so it it can vary. You know, there's a lot of guys I know that work out. There's a lot of guys that, that write or play an instrument or, or, or go hiking. I've been recently getting into hiking. Um, and, and so that's been, been good for me getting outside, getting some vitamin D from the sun, getting exercise, you know, and that just keeps me calm and keeps that that stress level from getting up to that danger point. Um, so those are kind of maintenance things that that I do that keep me keep me in check. Now, what would you say are the most frequent, uh, maybe frequent, not not so much frequently asked questions, but frequent issues once people break the habit? So that mm-hmm. now now they're not turning to the porn, but now they're like, all right, I've got to face this, or I don't know what to do with my free time, or maybe I'm struggling sexually, or now I can't sleep. I have insomnia because I used to use porn to fall asleep and I don't know what to do now. What are the most common things you're seeing once people are able to break the habit and they are finding that new activity? Yeah. One of the things a lot of guys deal with um, is called a flat line. It's where you actually get to this period of time where you feel no sexual desire at all where you just kind of feel just bleh, like, I don't, I don't want to have sex. I don't, I don't want to do anything. And that's just your brain resetting. You know, I have a lot of guys coming to like, I'm not watching porn, but now I, I just don't, I, I don't care. Like I, I just don't feel any sexual desire. Um, and, and what that is, like I said, it's just your brain resetting. It goes away after a while. So a lot of guys deal with that. Um, and, and then the biggest issue I see with guys is focusing on the negatives instead of the positives, focusing on the failures instead of the victories. So they might go a couple of weeks, a couple of months and have a, a relapse and, or even a partial relapse. And they're just like, man, I just, I threw it all away. I just, my streak's over. I threw it all. I messed up. It's like, dude, you went all this time. So let's say you went a month, you know, that's, 30 victories and one loss, you know, that's, that's, that's a hell of a batting average. And, and so many guys do that. They focus on how many times they fail instead of how many times they won. You know, I, I tell guys when we start out, 
chances are you're going to relapse. It's going to happen. You know, I, I don't know very few guys. In fact, I really don't know any that quit porn cold turkey. It, it, it just, it, it's very, very, very hard to do that. Not that it can't happen, but the vast majority of guys are not going to quit cold turkey. So when these relapse happen, you have to learn how to use them, how to learn from them and learn to be stronger the next time. But what I see so many guys doing is, is they'll, they'll message me and they'll be like, oh, I screwed up, Tim. I slipped up. Okay, well, let's figure out what happened. But look back on this, man. Look where you were. You were looking at porn twice a day. Now you got to the point where you didn't watch it for a month and you're mad. Yeah, you, you should try not to relapse and you don't want to relapse. But celebrate those victories, man. Like, be proud of what you've accomplished. You know, I, I one guy I was working with didn't even have um, a full porn relapse. He, he would, had gone months without any porn or any masturbation and then masturbated in the shower and, and thought it was the worst thing ever. It's like, dude, look where you came from. <laughs> celebrate those victories. And that's, that's such a mindset shift that has to take place is from focusing so much on the failures to focusing on those victories. And that's where you build that momentum. You know, it's like working out in the gym. You know, if you stick with it, you know, most people want to lose 20 pounds in a week. You know, if you stick with it long enough that you start seeing the progress and you're like, oh, I'm making progress and you build on that momentum and you keep going. Well, it's the same thing with this. You start seeing small victories every day. You, you can see the progress. You can see the change. And that just spurs you forward and gives you that motivation and that encouragement to keep going and keep fighting. Sure, there'll be hiccups along the way. You know, you drive 100 miles and blow a tire out. Yeah, that sucks. But it doesn't undo the 100 miles that you traveled. You're still 100 miles farther than where you were. So fix it and keep going. I dig it. I, it, I see the same thing with the booze. I'm yeah. five years sober. I had a beer. Bro, okay. You went five years without a drink. You had a beer. Get back on the saddle. Yeah. You, you are not a shitty person. You did a great thing. You had a, a bump. Yeah. Go back on. You know, yeah. and it's, again, that sort of goes back into what I was saying about not feeling pride and, and not giving justification to the pain. It, right. It's almost like people are ashamed or they don't feel like they have permission to do a good thing or be happy for what they're doing. Right. I do have a question for you, though. Another angle on sort of the same thing. Do you have an issue with men who focus on who they were or the things they did? And they, 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 now that they're sober and free from it, they keep going back to that mindset. Cause I had an issue with that probably the first six months. I was like, man, I wasted so much time and so much fucking money on alcohol. And I did so, I could be so much further than I am. And I had to like break myself out of that negative thought. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sober now. I got to really focus yeah. on just now, but I hate my former weak sauce self. So yeah. there, there's kind of a balance there that I had to get over and just accept like, yeah, that shit happened. I was that person, but I'm not anymore. Yeah. In fact, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that. I look at all the years I wasted, you know, and all the time that I spent chasing this addiction. You know, I should have been being a father to my kids, being a loving husband to my wife. You know, in some ways, you kind of have to to grieve that a little bit, you know, and, and be like, yeah, that's a loss that you can't get back. And that's and honestly, that's something I, I'm act, I've actually struggled with. Like I, I deal with that now. I, I, beat myself up. Oh, you know, my marriage would be in a better place or my kids would, would be this or something like that. Or, or, you know, maybe if I was more active, I wouldn't be dealing with this issue now with my kids. That's something I still struggle with. And 
I have to remind myself that, yeah, that happened. Acknowledge it. But what I, that's not going to change anything. I can't go back and change that. What I can change is now forward. Yep. And so now I'm focusing on being the best husband and father that I can be and moving forward. And I deal with that myself. And I deal with that with a lot of the guys I, I work with where um, they just constantly want to beat themselves up, whether it's it's the regrets of all the years they wasted on this or whether it's like we were just talking about with a simple relapse. They're so trained to just want to beat themselves up and stay in that shame cycle where you feel like crap. So you look at porn, then you feel like crap. So you look at porn and it just keeps this, this cycle going. And that's what we have to break out of to find a true freedom. And, and it's normal, you know, yeah. so anybody listen, like that's a normal thing. We both are sharing in our own version of this. We've gone mm-hmm. through it and go through it. That it's, it yeah. doesn't go away. That's a normal feeling. That's just a part of the process. And, you know, I'd rather a man who feels that feeling and is going forward, you know, with sobriety and, and what it is there are overcoming that challenge than somebody who's never felt it. And I say that in the sense that I respect the man and I, I can better understand the man who has been burned by the flame. And that's why he respects the fire. If you've been burned, if you have been through this type of life, you get it in a way that other people don't. People understand right. fires are hot, stay away. But if you don't have those scars or those blisters, you don't really, really know. You know, you don't fully comprehend how hot or why you don't touch the thing mm-hmm. until you've done it. You know, and I've, I've, dude, I was like Icarus, man. I flew to this, like, dude, I, multiple times that burnt the fucking wings and crashed down. And you see me now and, you know, it's, it's motivation for many. They say, oh, cool. You know, I like your story, what you're doing. It's inspirational. Yeah, there was a lot of pain. I'm glad you feel good about my story. Yeah. I lived that fucking story, man. It was hard. Yeah. You know, there were, there was yeah. a lot of choices. I've made 360 correct choices in a row, 360 yeah. days. And that's sort of how I'm looking at it now is like, yeah, right. I, I made, I fucked up so many times, but now I've got it right 360 times. And I'm going to yep. c- continue that to the grave. You know, I'll crash and burn over there. You're not supposed to say that. I'm saying it now. I've been saying it for the whole time, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. With that, you know, I think a lot of men need to give themselves the the credit that comes with feeling that remorse. And I really like that use the term grief, you know, and to grieve it because I don't think I did properly grieve that. I think I just felt like shit and hated myself. And I was right. just like, fuck, you know, it's, it's more anger than grief. But I think a proper healing, and that's probably going to come in my evolution through this, you know, and yourself as well. Eventually, there'll yeah. be a point where it fully dissolves, but it's a normal thing. So those who are beating themselves up for beating themselves up, it's just a part of the process, man. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. it just is. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim, for those who are listening and they're down and they're like, look, you, you, I like the advice, but I want to ask you about my specific situation. What's mm-hmm. the best way for them to find your content and contact yourself? Yeah. Best way to reach me um, is either through Twitter. Um, I'm Timothy Regal, T-I-M-O-T-H-Y-R-E-I-G-L-E. Um, or through my website, which is intothewildernessblog.com. Um, you reach out to me through there, send me an email, send me a DM. Um, you know, re- don't hesitate to reach out. That's the first step. That's the first step is, is I need help. Find someone to help me. And, and, and that's what I'm here for. I, I, answer, I answer every DM. I answer every email. Um, so don't hesitate. Reach out. I want to thank you, not just for your time on coming on the podcast, but also for what it is you're doing. You know, it's, it's not easy, man. You know, and I, I get it through my version of this. Like I see what you're doing, the help you're providing it's needed, 
And, you know, again, that's why when you're like, yeah, we need to do like podcast two to cover the nuts and bolts of this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, we really do. And honestly, yeah. there needs to be a podcast three because I want to dive into the communities and how we can differently address them. So there'll be another sure. one following this. But sure. it's, it's really interesting that you're able to tackle something that so few are, are able to even mention. Like they're hands off. Like I'm not touching porn. I'm not, I'm not going to go into that world. And you're like, no, fuck you. Let's go toe to toe. We're going to bring it. We're going to talk about this yeah. because men need help. People are right. struggling. So right. good on you, man. I appreciate it. I yeah. respect it. And, and, and that's my, you know, I, I'm focused on the man. You know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of guys out there who are trying to take down the porn industry. I don't care about the porn industry. There's always going to be debauchery in our world. I'm focusing on the man. I want to help change men. And so if you're listening to this and this resonates with you, look at the numbers. Chances are it does. You know, this porn is something almost every man deals with at some point. If you're at a point where, like, I can't do this. I can't live like this anymore. I need help. You know, reach out. Know that you're not alone. You know, there are very few people, like you say, like me, that want to talk about this. But almost everybody's dealing with it. So you're not alone. You're not the only guy struggling with this. So know that and know that you can find freedom. You can live porn free. It's hard. It's a battle. You know, I, I call it a battle. I call it a war on purpose. I don't use those terms lightly. It's a war with against porn, but it's also a war with yourself. So it's hard, but you can do it. There is hope. You're never too broken. You're never too damaged. You're never too far gone. You're never beyond help. And lastly, don't give up. Keep fighting. You know, you don't lose a battle until you surrender. There'll be days you're victorious. There'll be days you have to retreat and regroup and start over again the next day. But don't ever surrender. Don't ever give up. And that's the major key to finding freedom is keep fighting. Never quit. Keep moving. It's very well said. And if that doesn't let a fire in the souls of those who need it, I don't know what will. You know, that's somebody who's lived it. That's somebody who's spreading the message. And I mean, you just listened to us have this great discussion on literal applications you can apply today. Like literal actions you can take today to get yourself moving forward. So now the ball's in your court. And as I said earlier, at some point, you've got to take responsibility for the direction of your life. If you're the captain of that ship, grab the wheel and drive yourself and steer yourself in the direction you want to go. Tim's given you the tools. I gave you the medium. And now it's on you. Thank you for listening to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall underscore.